Just a warning, what you're about to see is a bit graphic. All right, everybody, it's the Angry and Negative Show here, August something 2020, August 6th, 2020, Thursday. We are here. It is Flyers v. Capitals post game edition here. Jim is here, as always. Yes, I am. And I'm uh, glad to be here. That's good. I hope so. I've only been doing this for 62 episodes now. Has it been 62? 62? It's the Nicholas Albe Kubel episode tonight. (laughs) The knack. We're the knack. We got our uh, kind of guest on here. Going to help us break down this game. Uh, His first name's Mark. And I'm going to... It's DeSico, right? No. No. Jimmy, help him out. DeCicio. No. DeChico. DeChico. very much. Who you think you're talking to over here? You can't read the letters correctly. <laughs> what the hell are you doing over there? Would you believe I had somebody in my Twitter mentions last night mad at me that I pronounced people's last names wrong? I was like, oh I God, do dude, I not. And then yeah, I did. Yeah. I saw. I, so I forget who it was, but I like the person that, that commented on there. I forget who it was. So you don't think we're taking cancer culture too far then? Is that is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, whatever. I've, uh, I've survived my fair share of cancelings at this point. I, uh... <laughs> Alexis Lafreniere, for those of you wondering. It's not Lafreniere. You had to pronounce the R. Lafreniere. But his name is still not Patrick Lane, for fuck's sake. No. <laughs> uh, so, Mark, you're uh, making your angry negative debut tonight. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I, I feel I fit into the angry negative very well. Uh, I am originally born at Methodist Hospital there in southern Philadelphia, and uh, I've made my way to sunny Arizona for the last five years. But I I bleed the orange and black. I bleed the Kelly green and gray. Uh, not so much the red and blue of the Sixers. And the Phillies just have me so annoyed right now. I just don't even mm-hmm. want to acknowledge them. So other than that, yeah, I, uh, I'm waiting for the cup too with everybody else. I was on my dad's shoulders as a one-year-old back in 74. So I was there. I don't remember it. So I'd like to go to one that I remember. And that's, you know, Philly sports nut stuck on the West Coast is pretty much how I'd uh, sum it up, sir. Last week I instilled a one Italian per show uh, <laughs> number here, but I guess we have to break it tonight. So, Well, I mean, we could thumb wrestle to the death, but that's a very <laughs> expensive flight for one of us. Jim will go out there. Yeah, I'll take it's, a trip. Yeah. It's only 115, buddy. And I'm telling you right now, you get used to the dry heat. That's what Trust I was going to say. If it's the dry heat, I can deal with I can that. Deal sometimes with it, yeah. I fuck this humidity. walk outside oh. over here, you can't even fucking breathe sometimes. Yeah, I don't I don't miss the humidity. I'll tell you that right now. I was in Vegas a couple years ago, and I'm, I'm sitting outside. I'm like, yeah, it ain't that high. And I go inside, and I look like a lobster. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You basically walk down the street to go get a pack of smokes or something, and you come back, and you're, yeah. You look just like get, you just walked through hell. Yeah, you get air fried. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, Flyers beat the Washington Capitals 3-1, to and this was a game, this was far more of what I usually expect 
from the Flyers. You know, the game against Boston was very, very strong from kind of start to finish. This one was kind of more, it was dirty, it was grimy, it was physical, highlighted by some beautiful fucking plays in between that made <laughs> things happen. And that's the Flyers hockey that I know and love. Uh, you know, the Caps really came out strong, set the pace early, and much like the Boston game, the Flyers said, fuck you, we're not taking it, and uh, fought back. Lawton. Scored the first goal with a beautiful no-look pass from Travis Konechny after Rad Kagutis uh, threw the puck out in front of his net. Again, that's the second time we saw that play. Uh, Malkin did it during the uh, uh, exhibition game as well. That's Hockey 101! Don't pass the puck in front of your own net! <sighs> uh, but isn't it nice to say that Rocco's not wearing orange and black when he does it? Yeah, I mean, that's it's nice the other true. way around. Sanheim had the second goal. Again, a beauty. Uh, Kevin Hayes puck handled through the neutral zone for like a full minute. And then set it up. Sanheim through the legs. Beautiful goal. Uh, the third period started. Lawton scored again. 3 nothing. Uh, Robert Haig had the goal for the Capitals. Every goal against the Flyers thus far has been scored by Robert Haig on a redirection. So there you go. The Flyers are... Uh, being beaten by their own defensemen. But, uh, yeah, 3-1. Very solid game, highlighted by a bunch of players that you really wouldn't expect. Scott Lawton looked great. Kevin Hayes is obviously fucking phenomenal. Uh, Aubie Kubel looked good in the third period. Joel Farabee was really noticeable in the third period. Four names that if I told you would be carrying the Flyers through a playoff game in September, you would have called me fucking crazy. I'm really disappointed that you had to point out Robert Hag right there. Uh-oh. Listen, I'm not hating on Robert Haig, but I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to see, oh, the Flyers won, but Robert Haig did something bad. <laughs> so, so I just got to beat him to the punch on that one. Well, in fairness to Flyers Twitter, this is new. This feeling is new. Of everybody being good. This, yeah, why, having a lead and holding it. Um, you're not worrying when the goalie's going to have a mental breakdown. Uh, defensemen are where they're supposed to be. Wingers are forechecking. Our fourth line is clicking. This is all new stuff. We're used to saying, I wish we played more like the Blackhawks. I wish we played more like whoever beat us the night before. So this is a new feeling. So I think you're having a little trouble adjusting, especially in a COVID world. Just having some trouble adjusting to actually being good. We'll just leave it at that. You know, and actually, you bring up a good point with all that because it's like, we should be really happy, but it's like we have to like nitpick, right? Like so people just can't have... be happy. There has to be something that they can shit on it somewhere, whether it's Nate Thompson or Robert Haig <laughs> or JVR sitting or whatever. They find a way. Yeah, I mean, what was the score in the last game? Was it four to one? They won. Yes. Yes. So yes. they outscored the Bruins and the Capitals seven to two in these two games, and both goals well... that went in. Just to point out, you know, that Dan brought it up, it's actually 7-0 right. with Robert Haig having those two goals. <laughs> right, just, right. It, just, that, just pointing it out. He's a that's secret kind of agent, that's what there. it is. Yeah. He's getting paid by the other team to <laughs> fuck up the shutouts. <laughs> Elliot only made 16 saves. He only had to make 16 saves. Uh, was not busy. Was yeah, not, I don't think that, he saw. There were a couple of testers there uh, throughout, I believe, the second period. But other than that, just an easy night and goal. They definitely made the right choice playing him. Uh, you rest Carter Hart up for Tampa on Saturday. Well, that you know, the funny thing is this another speaking of new things Flyers Twitter's not used to. 
I can't remember the last Flyers team, maybe 2010, where you didn't see a bunch of guys just throwing themselves out at the points. The, the defensemen and the forwards seem to be working together where they get in front of the shots they need to get in front of and cause traffic to where the Capitals didn't want to try to pass into the slot. And then when they did have shots, they were out of the way that Elliott had a clear view of what was going on. I, I cannot remember the last time that happened. I mean, we're, we're talking maybe Pete Peters type team. Cause I don't, I don't ever recall that. I always recall a long one of the time. five guys being out of position somewhere. And again, me jumping on Twitter and going, what the F was so-and-so doing way out on the left. You know, it, it, it's just, it's a new thing. And I, I noticed it today where I said, wow, I'm not sure that Elliot even got work today based on the, the defensive game that the Flyers had. They just shut, they frustrated and shut the caps down all night. I mean, Ovechkin, we're in his, we're in his head for free right now. He had no points again today. I think he had one shot. He hasn't scored against the Flyers in, I think, 4,700 games at this point. They're in his head, and that team goes where Ovechkin goes. You know, Bob Backstrom's great, and, and you know, Tom Wilson is a piece of shit. They follow Ovechkin. So when we shut him down, it seems like that whole team kind of loses a level. And it's it's fun to watch, I got to admit. I'm not used to being on this side of, uh, this side of the boards when we're, we're stomping people been a long time since I've uh, felt this way about a Flyers team. 2010 was probably even close to the last time, and quite honestly, this team is would blow that team out of the goddamn water. I'm going yeah. to uh, bring down the mood a little bit here. Of course. Ah, here comes Flyers Twitter. Come on, <laughs> no, no, no. So <laughs> the, the win against the Bruins, I was impressed by because it, it looked like a typical Flyers game, at least to me, that I saw during the regular season. This game here... It looked a little bit like mush to me compared this to that one. This one felt like a playoff game, though. Did it? Did it, it feel like that? You? Physical, I, I dirty. I agree. Big mess. This one felt more like a, a, a game to me versus the Boston game. See, well, I kind of felt the opposite there. I felt like it was just like so, there were so many penalties. There was a lot of bullshit, and just like ah, I can't, I can't really get into this game. Well, let me, Jimmy. Let me ask you a question. Well, let me throw something in and then see if that factors into how you feel. Yeah. So this is what I see. And agreeing with Dan that it was a more grimy in the corners type game today, but I felt like the Bruins were not ready to play. And whereas the Caps had a game plan and came out, at least tried to execute it and played better as a team where the Bruins just, the Bruins weren't there for whatever reason. So I felt like the competition today was much higher level than the Bruins game. Whereas the Flyers did whatever they wanted against the Bruins. Whereas today they had to work for it. And again, you saw, you know, for the most part, G and Jake were kind of quiet score-wise, and the third and fourth lines had to pick it up. Um, I, I just felt like the Caps were a better team, and the Bruins. I don't. I don't even know how they won the Presidents' Trophy at this point. I don't know what what happened to them during this break, but I think everybody forgot how to play hockey because they're they're having issues that I don't think they're going to overcome against anybody in the playoffs. But the Caps, on the other hand. They look more ready to play. So that that would be something I'd offer up into your your opinion if possible. The last time yeah. Ovi scored against the Flyers, by the way, was uh, March 6, 2019. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's been uh, over a year. Holy there shit. You go, there you go, Flyers Twitter. Start, start posting about how we need to let Ovi have a goal because he's the ambassador of the NHL and it's not fair that we keep shutting him down. There, there's something to bitch about. That's eight games ago. Maybe nine. Is it that? Ago. So. Gotcha. Not quite uh, 10,000 or whatever the number was. But close. Here's what, I, here's what I saw today real quick with this game. 
to me, it looked like the Capitals came in with a plan, and that was yes. to, to bully the Flyers, oh, yeah. right? Like, right that, off that the bat. That was the first 10 minutes or so, yeah. Right, it was like intimidation, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're, we're former Stanley Cup champs. This is how we're going to play, and this is what we're going to do. And the Flyers didn't really buy into any of that shit. You know, I think we saw it with Brad Marchand in the first game. Yeah, it no happened in Boston as well. Boston came out and had the first 10 minutes. Flyers said, we're not taking your shit today and, and, and fought back. And this is the same way. Caps came out, physical, looked like there was already, there was like a fucking scrum like three minutes into the game. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Flyers are going to get worked over. Nope, not at all. They survived the initial volley there and, and went on and played their game for the rest of it. Had the Caps frustrated. Did you notice they started taking runs at Kevin Hayes? about midway through the second, the rest of the game. And it was amazing if you caught it that he avoided a lot of the runs they were taking at him and literally sidestepped and, and moved around. And they didn't they didn't touch him. So while he's been amazing anyway, the fact that he's avoiding those hits is, is a pretty big deal if you think about it over the course of uh, a playoff here for the Cup. Yeah, they, they know. They know that they know how the Capitals need to play them and they know what they're gonna do to try to beat them and and the Flyers have their number flat out, plain and simple. Since the first game this year, the Flyers were unlucky and they ended up losing that game, I think, in it was either overtime or a shootout. But even since that game, this Flyers team has had this Capitals team. They've had their number all season long. And I don't see that changing. I think the Capitals, you saw today, they're frustrated. I mean, six six power plays, six penalties they gave up. Uh, I don't think that's – I mean, part of it's probably they're still trying to get back into the swing of things. But on the other hand, give the Flyers some props because they came out to play, and the the Capitals had to take some bad penalties against the Flyers. No, I, I that's a great point. I think I think again, not that he hasn't gotten credit, but if AB doesn't win win the Jack Adams at this point, just just friggin' get rid of the award. And I hate to be Homer here, but I mean, I've seen some good coaching performances, but I mean the guys he's up against, the way the Flyers are playing and the way they were prepared, even in the Pittsburgh game, the exhibition game. From the drop of the puck, they were ready to play. And you can say, yeah, Pitts, anytime you play Pittsburgh, I mean, they can play in an alley off uh, Passyunk Avenue and they're still going to play it tough. Obviously, yes, but AV's got to get credit for having these guys ready to play. This is three games now coming out of pretty much a, a mini training camp, and these guys haven't missed a beat. And when you have guys you thought to be your five and six defensemen playing like ones and twos, I mean, you got to give AB credit, and obviously uh, Mike Eo and uh, Julian, they, they also should get a lot of credit. And hell, what the hell? Even Ian LaPierre can have some credit, too. But the team is, is, is came ready to play, pretty much, is I guess the point I'm trying to make. AB did a great job. The physicality, Capitals led and hits 42-23. to 23. Flyers had shots on goal 21-17, to 17, and uh, Flyers were 0-6 for 6 in the power play. Caps were 0-4. Here's the thing I kind of wanted to talk about that those 17 shots on goal. Yeah. Like you might you might look at this and be like, ah, you know, these teams weren't really playing. And like I said, that's kind of the impression that I got like midway through the second that this game was kind of just meh. But uh, 17 shots on goal for the Caps. The Flyers did that to them all year long. Held them low to low shots. They I don't think the Caps scored over two goals against the Flyers this season. I, I could be wrong. Uh, there might be one game in there, but the Flyers thoroughly dominated them. All season long. So the 17 shots on goal is not a fluke. Now, having said that, the Flyers did have six power plays, so the, the Capitals were short for, uh, what's it say, 14 minutes here. You know, the Flyers, uh, they took it to them. They took it to them today. What I'm looking for to compare against your hits is total time of possession. Because mm-hmm. while the Caps were bullying it up, it definitely seemed like the Flyers retained 
a lot of the puck possession, even through those hits. And uh, I, I felt like that definitely offset what they were doing. Uh, geez, looking at the time. Provorov with another 27 minutes today. De- geez, man. The closest guy to him with on ice time was Matt Niskanen with 20 minutes. And then Couturier also had 20 minutes. So Provorov again played seven more minutes than anybody else on the team. Basically, That's hit the game. That's insane. Seven minutes on the power play, five minutes shorthanded. So it's not like he's just that, you know, he's out there in all situations. No. And then, and then, yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to look at the stat. Yeah. See the hits. I don't think the hits tell a, a proper tale just because of the way the Flyers controlled the game. The caps, like, like we had said earlier, the caps were frustrated. They, they you know, were frustrated all day. It's interesting that you brought that up. Cause uh, Dan, I know you remember uh, maybe during last year, the year, season before, People would always bring up Robert Haig and how he leads the league in hits. And, you know, that's great. It's it's fun to look at and talk about. But we didn't look at that as a positive thing. We took it as, well, that's because he's, he's never has the puck when it's in his zone or he's always chasing the puck, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of, I think, what the point that Mark's trying to uh, making here is, you know, the Capitals led in hits by like 20 because they were chasing the game. If they didn't have the puck, mm-hmm. if they were laying that many hits. Yeah. Now you can't take the hit numbers too seriously, and here's why. Looking at it right now, Kovalchuk had six hits. Mm-hmm. I watched the whole what? damn game. He didn't have six hits. I, he saw, had I saw that one too. hit. <laughs> like, one what the hit. hell? <laughs> I didn't even hear his name till the end of the the end of the third. Yeah, they well, talked I, about him for a split second because he had a nice pass or something. Yeah. Well, I was I was laughing because you know everybody made it a big deal when he came back and well he got traded and this, you know Kings and they traded Montreal and they traded. He was a non-factor. He only played 15 minutes on the ice, uh, 240 of power play. He had six hits, which I disagree with. He was a plus one, so that's good for him. He had no shots on goal. So what? he's out there to be a sniper. He had no shots on goal. That's a joke. And they gave Ovechkin six hits because, hey, that's the cool thing to do. That punk Tom Wilson had five. Dowd had five. You know, it's – and I'm trying to think back, and none of those are really impactful. Garrett Wilson Hathaway is only penalty. credited for one. What? How was that? No. He had that hit. He tried to kill somebody. Was He was the yeah. one that... Uh... He put out... Oh, uh, who did he put the boards sake. early? I thought I wrote it down. I didn't. Couturier popped him after he... Uh, was it, it uh, Walton? No. Roth? Uh, not Roffle. Uh, Voracek? Was he the one that hit Yeah, Voracek? somebody hit yeah. Voracek in the face or something. That's, that, no, that was later, wasn't it? That Jake got away with the high stick penalty? Also, but yeah, I remember Couturier hit him, hit Hathaway, whoever he popped. Damn. Couturier popped, and that started the scrum. And then I think somebody on the bench popped Hathaway when he tried to go grab somebody. Garrett Hathaway, he was the one that uh, tried to he kill Lacuna the other year, right? Uh, yeah, that, that curb stomped his head into the sideboards there. Yeah. <laughs> oh that, my god, yeah, that is correct. Right. It looked like it looked like a video <sighs> game. It's fucking brutal. Hey, speaking of hits, Knack had five today to lead the team. At a boy. He's a bowling ball, man. I love watching that kid play. You got some power play time, too, I think, yeah. with uh, with Beezer out there. Well, I'll tell you what. Bunneman did a heck of a job for, for coming in. You know, he, I mean. He was more Farabee noticeable obviously. in one game than JVR has been in the past 15. Right. So, here's my question. Speaking of Flyers Twitter, what are they going to bitch about now? Mm. AV proved that he's he's not – he'll sit anybody. So, he, he obviously sent a message to JVR. Like, look, I don't care what your paycheck says. If, and, and he actually said in a presser 
the other day after the uh, Bruins game that JVR played okay. He used the word okay, which basically is you sucked <laughs> if your coach is saying that in, in public. So, you know, so he he's telling JVR in no uncertain terms that if you want to play, you better pick it up. He was already on the third line. You know, he didn't see – I don't think he saw a ton of power play time in the Bruins game. So A.B. is sending a message, and I love it because nobody's above the team, you know? We've, I thought it was really interesting. That. I thought it was interesting, yeah, because you could have put him on the fourth line, but it's also kind of like, you know what, if I'm going to be putting this guy making $7 million a year, he's out there to score goals, if I'm putting him on the fourth line, I might as well just sit him. Because what's he going to do on the fourth line? What's he really yeah, going to do? Yeah, that's not his game. I mean, he's technically a power forward, but for what our fourth line is accomplishing right now, JVR doesn't fit in that equation. JVR can't do what Knack does. He can't do what Pittick does. He can't do what Bunneman does. You know what I mean? Those guys could care less if they score. They're more happy when they when they get a guy to do a turnover due to uh, forechecking or, you know, clogging up that neutral zone or screwing down a breakout that when they're trying to do. Those guys take pride in that stuff. JVR, I don't think he cares. I yeah. don't think he cares. I, and, and that's that scared me going into the playoff is I didn't know where his head was at. Maybe he's was, already thinking about Seattle. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was having a conversation earlier with somebody today, and I th- this is just my opinion because, I mean, I don't, I don't know the players. All I see is what we see on TV and whatnot, and I think he's just too laid back. I think he's too laid back for Elaine Vigneault where I don't even know if it's something that he can control. I think it's just who he is as a person and as a player, and it just doesn't mesh with – Elaine Vigneault and what he wants from guys. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Is JVR, where's JVR from? Cherry Hill? Uh, North Cherry. I think you're thinking of Bobby Ryan. He's from Cherry Hill. Yeah, Bobby Ryan. No, Bobby Ryan's <laughs> definitely got an attitude. I was going to say there's certain people that grew up in Cherry Hill who definitely walk around with that nah, without any JVR's, passion. JVR's, I but, think, um... uh, North Jersey. <laughs> JVR's, I mean, anybody from Jersey is a piece of shit. So. Are you uh, kidding no, me easy, with that? Easy, Middleton, easy, New easy, Jersey. Easy, easy now. Easy. Bobby <laughs> Ryan. I just Bobby Ryan is, is a scholar. I like hey, what about Goudreau? You gonna shit on Goudreau too while you're at it? I heard he has a work ethic school, issue, though. yeah. You, you know, people from Gloucester City who come find you, you say it the wrong way. So just be <laughs> careful how you talk bad about Johnny Goudreau. <laughs> you're not lying about that actually. <laughs> I, I I got a buddy who's a cop in Gloucester City. And I, I, I thought, went to school in Gloucester City. Yeah, I'm not I, you don't hang out there past four o'clock, you know what I mean? Dude, I, we would switch buildings to go to a uh, a class, and we'd have like eight, nine, ten year old kids calling us pieces of shit while we're switching switching classes. I'm like, why aren't you in school? It sounds <laughs> it sounds about right. Yeah, it's, I equate it to going to a union game in Chester when you leave, and the whole police force is kind of lined the whole street <laughs> so you can get out. Yeah. That's kind of what living in Gloucester City's like all the time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I can't. I don't think I can say enough kind and words about AV just for, I mean, we could talk about the play, but the culture guys, the culture change that's happened mm-hmm. in a little over a season for this guy where flyers, Twitter's ready to put up, you know, uh, stuff JVR dolls and burn them on their front lawns. Uh, and this guy, boom, you're sitting. I mean, how, how many times have I pulled hair out of my head with moves that Haskell made? I mean, you look at these guys now, he so Haskell basically said Sanheim wasn't good enough to play in the NHL. He said Hag wasn't good enough to play in the NHL. He said Phil Myers wasn't couldn't get a top six spot on this team. He sat Lindblom. He sat Konechny, and Konechny the list goes on and on. 
Right. Frost when he was healthy. So here's here's my point. If I see one more person on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, MySpace, AOL Instant Messenger, Yelp. I don't care what it is. <laughs> Yelp. LinkedIn. If I see if I see any more Hextall apologists at this point, you need to go jump off a bridge into about four feet worth of water. Okay. It's it's the most idiotic thing I've ever seen. Okay. I've missed you, this kind of fire from the Angry Negative show. Yeah, well, it's been a while. I, I was ready. I was ready to be a hockey analyst, and then I realized we were doing the Angry Negative. So I said, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta flip the switch here. So I gotta get mad about something." Well, Dave Haskell is an easy target, ladies and gentlemen. And by proxy, so is Ron Hextall. So Ron, thanks for the great goaltending, but you're still shitty as a GM because you let that guy make calls he should have never made, and you drafted those players and you let them flounder, and the whole they're too young shit. Only last when the team's good. We sucked. Does anybody remember that we sucked? Carter Hart could have came up earlier. But no. So, yeah. <laughs> Do not, if I see any Hextall apologists, you're on the list. That's just, so I'll get my rant out of the way. So there, there's there's our angry negative for the day. <laughs> While you're uh, ranting, you want to talk about the refs? Oh, since I'm angry. So I, I think between the three of us, we have a ton of years of, of watching NHL hockey. And between the three of us, we've seen changes in the league, obviously to a more offensive game. Whereas in the 1980s, a guy could get mugged and not get charged with any kind of crime. Whereas now, if if you touch them, it's, it's two minutes in the box. So I understand the difference in the game. But even with my uh, hours and hours of viewing, I still cannot for the life of me understand what constitutes interference in today's NHL. I don't know if the refs were drunk and the hangover started about midway through the second period and they started to kind of get their wits about them. I don't know what happened, but I saw calls made in the first period and then infractions that were even more uh, obvious in the second period not get called. There was one particular play where Bowman went into the corner and he poked the puck past the guy on the boards. And the guy didn't even attempt. He just tackled him and then held him against the boards. And there was no call. <laughs> so I thought that was the definition of impeding one's progress, which if you read the NHL rule, that is in there in so many words. So apparently, if you get beat as a defenseman, just tackle the guy. And he got a 50-50 shot of it getting called, which is pretty good odds when you commit a felony. So I, I don't understand the NHL officiating I guess they didn't have a training camp like the players. They didn't watch old, you know, Minnesota North Stars, Detroit Red Wings series to see what infractions were. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. So, and, and I'm not being a homer because Jake got away with a cross check later in the game that I was like, wow. He, he, the, he must have pictures of the ref's daughters doing evil things because it was pretty bad. So it was on both sides. And I noticed it also in the uh, – the Chicago Edmonton game last night where at the it's end it's been happening throughout the entire playoffs thus far. Uh, fuck going back the first game the the Hurricanes Rangers game 1. It's like every 3 seconds they were calling a fucking penalty on somebody. It's like just let him play hockey for fuck's sake. I guess after 4 months of not calling anything they have to make up for them, you know, for for all the goddamn silence over 4 months. But Jesus Christ, the entire playoffs thus far has just been penalty 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 penalty. Shut the hell up and let him play. Yeah, I, I thought we put the whistles away when playoffs came. Is it just that it's the seeding and they're going to just stop doing this shit when we actually play games 
I would you know, bet. In the series? I hope so. I would, bet, I would bet that that's going to happen, yeah. Yeah, but the other series that are actual series, um, Carolina Rangers, even though it's over, thank God. Hey, good safe travels, Hendrick. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. Hey, Mark, so, let me ask and, you, what, what do you, do you have anything to say to the guys who feel bad for Hendrick? No. He, <laughs> he knew what he signed up for. <laughs> Wait a minute. So he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. Okay. There's no, there's no. So when he goes in and does his speech, all you Ranger fans, then you can, you can applaud. And I'll give Hendrick his credit when he, when they retire his jersey. Oh no, it's the Rangers. They'll fuck that up. So they may not retire his jersey, even though they should. But when he gets in the Hockey Hall of Fame, he'll get his accolades. This is always driving me a little nuts. Is that, and it, it's almost from a national perspective. So people say we cry too much, and and you know what? There's been a. There's been an, and I'm out of the market now. I'm out here in Arizona. So I'm telling you right now, there's such a prejudice with, hey, run the Santa Claus footage every single time Philadelphia's mentioned sports wise. And you know what? The guys on NBC, and I watched that game, and they didn't have the heart to say what was really going on. They couldn't say that he didn't have it anymore, right? They just kept talking about, well, in, in 2003, he backstopped the ring. Who cares? Who cares? It's over. Father time is undefeated. You had a great run, but you didn't win anything. You don't want to see him just win a cup? Well, who was was his coach when he got to the cup finals? How about a little trivia for you? Do you know that one? Uh, Would that be Alivio? That would be that AV. So it's not the coach's fault. (laughs) But anyway, he had a great run, but time, time catches everybody, man. So what am I supposed to do? Give him a victory lap? The Rangers aren't are the Rangers gonna give him a victory lap next year with a good contract? Hell no. Hell no. Does, is his contract up after this season? One more year at eight and a half million dollars. Oh my god. So, yes. And essentially, yeah. yes, his contract is up. <laughs> so they love that they love that Russian kid they got. Certainly not gonna trade him, so I assume they buy him out or he retires. He's not. I don't think he's retiring. I but don't again, I don't think know. they're going to buy him out. I can't imagine with the cap staying flat, they're going to buy him out. But man, there's no way you can carry eight and a half million dollars uh, for your third string goalie at this point. They have uh, Shostakin and Yorgiev there, who have both essentially passed him because he's he's old as dirt. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, and they got they love that kid. Dan you loves Longquist. I, I kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm. Listen, is he a great goalie? Yes. And I, what, listen, what, I often have people on this show, people that are old as shit like Jim, that say, Marty Rodor <laughs> ruined my childhood. Like, Lundquist ruined mine, if that's what the era we're talking here, the, the you know, mid-2000s. But, no, it uh, wasn't. Marty Rodor didn't ruin our childhood. Do you know who ruined our friggin' childhood? Oh There's two guys. Scott Stevens ruined my child, not my child, my, my teens. How about that? Okay, and another guy that nobody likes to give credit for ruining our hockey lives and terrorizing us. But Patrick Eliash, I, I remember like it was yesterday, F. Dan McGillis. How do you get your friggin' stick lifted like you're playing street hockey in an NHL game seven, <laughs> you piece of shit? There. <laughs> this is the stupid shit that I remember. Get it all out, Mark. Oh, game seven, Lindros is dead. We're just trying to hold on and win the series. It's a close game. And here's McGillis standing on the porch with his head in the clouds, and here comes Elias just with the simple stick lift that every five-year-old knows and scores. I, yeah, I still see it in my nightmares. What can I tell you? I, uh, I, I, eh. I like This Patrick is why Elias the Flyers have to too. win a cup. Because all my Eagles' bad memories are gone. I love Izell Jenkins now. 
I love him. <laughs> He's my favorite player. All because the Eagles won a Super Bowl. I have forgiven past sins. McNabb, thanks, buddy. No hard feelings. No hard feelings. Keep getting busted for DUIs out here in Arizona because it's cool to see on the news. But anyway, all my Eagles, I, I love everyone. The Flyers, not so much. Not so much. You know? We yeah, don't that's have to, interesting. We don't have to pick up the Joel Ottos anymore at the end of their careers. We have actual good players now. We this are is nice. Dragging the angry out of the light here. Good Lord. <laughs> Well, see, this is why I need to be on more podcasts. I've been saving this stuff for years. And I just haven't Bottled been able up. to get it out. <laughs> no more Paul Coffees when he's not Paul Coffee anymore. The list goes on and on, gentlemen. New we show. were the team that signed those guys. Angry and negative, bottled up. Listen, you give me the topic, I can run with it. I'm very versatile. Right. I'm just letting everybody. But yeah, it's a new era, it feels like, for the Flyers. We're not, we're not the team that shoulda, coulda, woulda. It's a different aura around this team. And I think A.V. gets a lot of that credit. Fletcher gets a lot of that credit. They're letting these young guys run. They don't care about, you know, Chris Pronger getting hurt or, you know, not being able to stop a simple shot on the goal line. for Pat. Like, they don't care. They don't have that history. It doesn't bog them down. And it, this team feels different. It, it, I've talked to friends who are just as bad as I am with, with the Flyers over the years. And we all agree it's different, feels different. Whether that's a cup, I don't know. But I don't ever recall having this feeling. Even in 2010, that team was a surprise. They weren't supposed to get there. And it took Briere becoming superhuman for him even to get to that point, if you remember. That's why they call him Mr. Clutch. So you mentioned AV and the Selkie earlier. And I think on past shows, I try to play both sides of the coin here. Obviously, I want A.V. to win. We've seen what he's done. But on the other hand, you have a guy like John Tortorella and that Columbus team who, you know, it's it's a different team roster-wise this year. They had a ton of injuries, blah, blah, blah. But for Elaine Vigneault to come into this locker room, which, yes, the Flyers made the playoffs twice in the last, in the four seasons that Hackstall was here, that's a loser locker room with a loser mentality you know, they lost a lot of games in the in the first and third period. They they couldn't come back. They'd blow leads. They were just losers, you know. And you saw it. You saw it come out of guys like Ghost, who I believe is just a loser. Uh, you saw guys like Borchek personality change, you know, where before this, you know, he's this fun guy. You know, everyone's a Borchek fan. Throughout the years that Hackstall was here, I found that I really, really did not like Borchek. I wanted him to be traded. Elaine Vigneault comes into a loser locker room. And convinces these guys that they're winners. Convinces them that they're a good team. And they're playing like that. All of a sudden, I like Voracek again. I, I love Quadri. <laughs> you know what I mean? All these guys that I, with the, with the exception of Ghost, because he hasn't turned it around yet, still could. I don't he's see it, but to. whatever. He's changed uh, I di- the mentality I disagree, of a but... lot of these guys. And well, I, I like this team. Well, let me ask you a question, Jimmy. And we'll, we'll, we'll equate the Voracek thing to, to a real world kind of problem so if you went into your job every day okay and your boss just didn't give you any direction whatsoever Mm -hmm. okay and then at the end of the day went oh it's your fault things aren't working well even though he didn't give you any direction on how to do your job how he wanted it done and at the end of the day would would totally just rip you up and down okay he ripped you to your family he ripped you to your your fellow workers he ripped you to the the competitor company Anybody who he was talking to, he ripped you. 
And he did this every day, but yet he never gave you any direction on how to improve what he said was wrong. How would you feel? Because exactly. that's essentially what Jake Voracek went through. He kept trying to change his game to match Haskell's college, whatever the fuck it was. I still can't tell you. And I watch hockey. Um, and, and then when he was kind of freed, where A.B. just told him, hey, I need you to be yourself. Here's what I need from you. He had a clear picture of what they needed. And he's been he's been great, you know. Um, as far as the argument, I'll give you my argument why A.B. should beat Tortorella real quick. Tortorella has a system that's been in place there for a couple years. So while they had turnover and the young guys and they lost Bobrovsky and Panarin, I understand all that. But, you know, it's always with a guy like Tortorella, he's a system coach. And there were enough guys there previous that knew that system that could help integrate those young kids. And when you get the young kids who are moldable, actually Tortorella's system always works better when you don't have stars because they don't have a set thing in their head that, oh, I need my goals or my points. Let's be honest. Panarin was a goal hawk. So in a Tortorella system, it doesn't work real well. But with AV, there was no system in place. And he had to change an entire culture here, whereas I don't think Tortorella had to do that. So I, you know, I, that's why Tortorella just, it works. I can't knock it. He rubs me the wrong way, but okay. You know, old and crotchety still works in today's NHL. You know, Mike Keenan won cups that way, so I can't really knock it. Um, but, you know, I think AV had to do a bigger job. And while Columbus was hanging around, I don't know, six, seven, eight seed, the Flyers were pretty much challenging for the number one seed. So in my eyes, that puts AV above Tortorella in, in the Jack Adams race. Yeah, I would agree with everything you just said. I think it's harder to come in because we're looking at one year. We're not looking at, you know, the the last couple, like last season, whatnot. Tortorella had that locker room. He didn't have to change anything. They already had the system. Whereas AV comes in and he has to completely change the attitude and instill his system with these guys. And he did it all in one fucking season. Yeah, I mean, and these aren't these aren't seasoned players. So basically, he had to change the culture and teach these young kids his system. 100%. You know, and, and all they knew was Haskell, which, who the fuck? You couldn't do that in NHL. Like, it's just, it's un, I can't explain it. It I goes agree. beyond common sense of how they played hockey with him calling the shots. But he's gone, thank God, and nobody got traded that shouldn't have got traded in that time, and and we're okay. Um, but, yeah, I just, man, it's just, it got, you know, it, it sucks that the playoff and the things that have happened in these three games and how the Flyers look have no bearing on the award because I think they voted already. Yeah, it's um, regular so season. I always hated that, that the playoffs had no bearing on any of the awards, and they were like, oh, you have the Conn Smythe. Well, that doesn't, no, no, <laughs> that doesn't cover it, you know? But, you know, I was joking around on Twitter the other day that I <laughs> I want the Patrick division back. Break up these goddamn, you know. I hope yeah, the NHL yeah, adopts yeah. the seating format because this is kind of cool. This is really cool that you have the opportunity to to move up in your seating. The only thing that scares me a little bit is the, the top four teams, while they have these seating games, the other teams have played a whole series. Granted, only five games, but they still played a series. It's so like a I'm warm really up curious, a little bit. Yeah, I'm curious to see if that affects, if that gives those lower teams a little bit of an edge in having to play in that playoff atmosphere where, listen, today's game was pretty close, but it didn't feel like a playoff game completely. Whereas I watched Chicago and Edmonton the other night. That was a playoff game. That was, you know. That was a it's mess. 3-2, three, 3-3, three, 4-3. Three, three. Like, Edmonton, I'll just get 
I'm pretty sure Dave Tippett's a good coach, so I have no idea what's going on in Edmonton. I'm I'm perplexed. Shout out to made... Chicago, by the way, because I won a couple bucks off that game. Ah, right, uh, boy. <laughs> Don't do not bet them next game. Do uh, not I, I, bet them well, next game. I put it all in there today. Whatever I won last night, I, I put on a bet today, so we'll see. Yeah, I just, as a hockey fan, I can't make heads or tails of what's going on in Edmonton because there may not be a more talented team in the NHL when you look at it. You know, they have the two arguable greatest players in the NHL right now. You know, I mean, Connor McDavid is a cheat code. Connor McDavid is the guy when you make your guy in NHL and you make everything 99, that's Connor McDavid right there. I do that okay? with Sam Moran, actually. <laughs> with, well, yeah, but that see, now that's not realistic. Does he? Yeah, does he? Break, my does God, he it's not leg? realistic. <laughs> well, I mean, does he break his leg like ten games in? Is it an arm this time? Like, did you turn injuries on? Because that would make it more realistic. Wow. Now, bad Samurai joke. I'm sorry. I just, I, I was, yeah. That's I a Flyers have... Twitter. That's that's bad. I'm sorry. You know, I was I making my own back. picks off of uh, off of the show just before I think the qualifiers started, and I debated picking Chicago and. I thought about it because they have the experience with Taves, Kane, uh, Duncan Keith. I don't even know if Brent Seabro- Seabrook's playing. I haven't heard his name he once, not. but he Corey Crawford. I mean, like, these guys have experience, and then you mix in guys like Kirby Doc and uh, Alex DeBrinkett. Uh They have some other guys that are playing some decent hockey. They have decent defense. Kublik. I think if Corey Crawford Kublik. can stick. Mm, Kublik, yep. yeah, oh, my God, dude. Like, they, they have crazy. a team that can upset. And Edmonton didn't necessarily – you know, light the league on fire. It's this teams year. with two dynamic offenses that have zero defense and zero goaltending playing each other. And that's what we've seen. You know, theoretically, this should have been all Edmonton, but there isn't a firepower that Chicago has to uh, to keep them afloat. By the way, you, uh, Jim, you had Edmonton in four, and I had Edmonton in three. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I was, Listen. however, the only one who picked Carolina out of the five, so... Oh, I had Carolina too, but again, this is my first appearance, so I can't take credit for it. I like how you had. Um, but the You're thing, right the thing with Edmonton, out, Jim. we weren't even talking about Carolina. I don't give a shit. Ah, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't <laughs> want to take the hit. This is why you record the podcast. It's on record, Jim. Absolutely, on, you can't change it. You it's can't say, "Hey, after we stopped recording, I found out that Henrik Henrik Lundqvist was really 46 years old and not 39." <laughs> you can't do that. That's, Speaking no. of that, I did. I saw a tweet. About some of these Russian guys, uh, like Svechnikov, he's like, what's he, 20 years old? Something I think like he's that, really yeah. like 26, 27. And like Alex Ovechkin might really be like 45 right now. Alex well, Ovechkin looks like he's about 60, so I don't believe it. So it's the Little League World Series thing. What was that kid's name? Danny, uh, he was like 17. Oh, he's 13 years old, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great yeah. how his life turned out. So, yeah, so they just, you know, they, they throw a number out on a birth certificate, obviously. <laughs> You know, uh, I, listen, the only thing in Edmonton I would say is they traded for Henrique. They got rid of Taylor Hall to try to get some defense. They draft Daryl Nurse, who I'll admit, I would that was a guy I wanted the Flyers to get back then. How wrong was I? He's uh, turned out to be all right. He's not lighting the league on fire, but he's, he's solid. Donovan no, like McNabb's they're not horrible. nephew or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I figure maybe we could break the Eagles curse too back then. But, uh, <laughs> but really, I thought they were at least solid. Like, they're not trash. They're not the top defenseman in the league but enough that when you have cheat codes up front you should at least be in games yeah. and and chicago is embarrassing them with just simple simple play dump and chase kind of stuff and the kids 
you know, Kulik and uh, uh, what's the other kid's name? Shoot. Kirby Doc. March. Doc. He played like 22 minutes the other night in that 4-3 yeah. game. He's coming into his own a little bit. He's not He's not really playing like a rookie. And the other thing, since we're a small Chicago thing, uh, I'd like to also have everyone who swore, screamed and yelled about not getting Joel Quinville feel free to apologize to me on Twitter in the next couple of days. I will open it for all apologies <laughs> except everything. Because you were – look at Florida. Look at Florida. It's It's a mess. Yeah, how about Winville? that? That's like the best thing to ever not happen to Philadelphia, yeah, huh? Yeah. The only there's only one more left though. If the Penguins get this kid, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my shit. I'm gonna lose my shit if they end up drafting number one. The it's only so thing unfair. That'll, the only thing that can cancel that out if that happens is if the Flyers win multiple cups, not just one. Multiple yeah, one cups. is yeah. It's it's Pittsburgh, so they're always gonna terrorize us some way. And I need at least two cups if they get Lafreniere. Yeah, it's that's a bad. I'm trying to wish that away, but it's the watching them play. It's they know what they're doing. They're they got a full Sixers going on here. I, I swear to God, Pittsburgh's hired Sam Hinkie as an advisor to tank for this number one pick. It's. I just oh. want this kid to go out west. Like you know, somehow, some way, he's going to end up in going the, to New in York, or he's metro. going to Pittsburgh, or going to yes. Columbus, or yeah, I know. It's it's a fucking matter of time. There's not. It's Wait, not Dan. if. It's when. Dan, how did you throw Columbus in there? Where did that come from? They're going to get ousted York, by uh, Toronto. L.A. Columbus, Ohio. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Even people in Columbus were surprised by Columbus that. Columbus could get them. When the uh, Wild no, I, get stomped, they'll go to Minnesota, too. How about Florida? Can Florida get them? Yeah. It's a play. Are they still in the, I think they're still in for the pick, yeah. Isn't it, was it six teams left that can get the number one pick? There's Everybody in the uh, round robin. Or not that the the playing rounds are still available. Whoever loses their uh, playing series, so if they get beat by the Islanders, I believe the Islanders are up two one on them. So yeah, they are. He could go to Florida. Wow, that that talk about going somewhere to lose a career. Oh, poor <laughs> bastard. Go, yeah, just go west. Like I, no more talent in the East, please, for God's sakes. I'll tell where I'd like to see him, but it won't happen. Is in Phoenix. I've gotten yeah. to I've gotten to check this team out and obviously I follow because Taka's a coach and we always got a soft spot for Ricky um, but this team is is kind of surprising especially in the playoffs because they were supposed to get smashed by Nashville and they are not they're they doing the opposite one yeah, they're, yeah I could so, see that happening and then well, Taylor they, Hall ends up signing over yeah. there I could see that happen. well I don't know if he's going to sign because they listen as, as has been very well documented they're still having issues out here with, with they just got a new owner who was supposed to solidify it and then the GM leaves to take basically an analytics job with the group that owns the Sixers and the Devils, Josh Harris. So uh-huh. he's leaving to being a GM in the NHL to run an analytics department. There's something fishy there. Let's just leave it at that. That's like <laughs> that's Somebody's like leaving. Yeah, that's like leaving the MGM in Vegas to run a, a riverboat in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah, go. Yeah, we talked about that a few weeks ago on Bradley Pod. Like, there's once the rest of that story comes out, it'll be juicy. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, it's been there, real. There's something and, that's been left in the dark thus far, but uh, well, obviously there's a drop off from from the sports media I'm used to in Philly to here in Phoenix, so nobody's really poking around. The sports talk out here doesn't even take callers, if that tells you anything. It's probably a smart. So thing to it's do. It, yeah, probably <laughs> smart. Um, but I don't know. You, know. you know, they could build up their own dirty thirty out here. Sure, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so but this team's been really. 
exciting to watch. And it's a shame because they're just not supported out here. It's there's so many transplants and, and people are not diehard. You would think, cause it's a lot of Canadian transplants here, but nobody, nobody really cares. And it's a shame because the team is doing really well. And the Taylor Hall deal looks like genius right now. I don't know if he'll resign. I don't know if they'll want to spend that money because they still have a couple young guys. They are going to have to pay Clayton Keller, I think is up in a year or two. They're going to have to give him some money. And there's a couple young kids coming up that are really good. But the cool thing out here is I get to listen to Paul Bissonette on the Coyotes radio broadcast, and he's an entertaining MFer. I will tell you right now. <laughs> I'm sure people listen to Spitting Chicklets, but it's he's a pretty entertaining dude. So it's cool. It's cool as a hockey fan to have something else to watch, you know. But obviously, I'm diehardened with with the home team. It just the cool what thing you got, is like to watch the NHL TV out there or something. Well, I, I have maybe a certain app on my TV and phone that I choose not to tell you the name of that maybe I get the NHL package without One of those actually Boston paying. City apps, huh? Yes, yes. A guy, <laughs> he's on the corner of 4th and Main. He's got a USB for you. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I have an app that's been working a couple of years now where I basically get all the all the sports packages because I, I like soccer, too. I try to watch the Union. Oh, boy. I try. I, I try uh, now, this, but but Dan, here's the thing though. I know we're talking hockey, but as far as soccer, I am I am one of the two percent that watch it, and I understand that, and I do not try to sell it to anyone else. So oh, if I'll, you don't I'll, like I'll soccer, try to sell the shit out of it. It's a when beautiful <laughs> Jim and Nick get on here, they talk about it for 15 minutes every week, and it's like, oh, for Christ's sake! <laughs> I just the hell up. <laughs> I I have tried, but see, the problem is, Jimmy, I tried, and I just it, they've taken the life out of me where I grew up. You know, you either like soccer, or you don't. And it's hard to explain to somebody what the beauty of a one nothing game is where the ball barely goes anywhere near the goal. I know, people yeah. people who don't watch soccer don't understand the defensive positioning and stuff, and they don't care to. There's right. just too much room on the field nope. and not enough bodies crashing into each other for them. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But my See, only I feel that same way about baseball. I'm a big baseball guy on the side. And when I hear people say baseball is boring, I go, how is it boring? It's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> you know, like, right. But if, if you got to know what you're watching, the... I guess. But right. So in you, that sense, I do respect to... that uh, opinion, but I, I just I can never get into it. Yeah, but the casual fan wants to see a guy hit 80 home runs and doesn't care that he's juiced up. They can't oh, get into God. the fact that, you know, uh, I'm trying to give a, a good pitcher, but a good pitcher versus batter battle where, you know, you watch the fastball just tail off. For you know, half an inch makes a difference, and the guy can't hit it. Yeah. Other people go, well, that, that's fucking boring, man. I, I, I'm waiting for him to pitch the ball. The ump's got to reset his mess. The catcher's got to, you know, fix his jock and just throw the ball, man. <laughs> just throw the ball. That's what you deal with. You know, I think baseball's in trouble. I think they've gone the other way. They've yeah, done they nothing f- to try to spruce up the up game. Yeah, and and with the fighting and the money, people are Let sick the of it. Juice man. loose, baby. You know how much money Major League Baseball would if they just came out and went, you know what? Fuck the testing. Let we're gonna let McGuire. Loose. We're gonna let McGuire and Sosa come back. They can play into their seventies. You can take whatever you want. Is Mark McGuire okay, still just, alive? He's coaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's a coach. He's a hitting coach for the Cardinals, maybe? Mark McGuire. He, he's he is a hitting coach. Look, you got the internet there. Let's Google that. <laughs> you know. Internet. Oh, yeah, I know. We, we kind of made a right turn there. But back to, to hockey. Guys, who do you see beside Tampa challenging the Flyers? And the greatest thing about today's win is, guess what? We don't even have to see Tampa until the conference finals now. It's a guarantee. 
So is there anybody the else? The only other team in the East I you? wouldn't want to face is the Islanders. I don't know if I'm scared of them, but they're one of those teams that if they get their system going, they would be a hard team to uh, fuck up there. But other than that, I don't think there's anybody that I'm overly petrified by. Well, thing... I, I think the Islanders are a team that can frustrate the Flyers. Yeah. I think because the Flyers are still kind of younger on the younger side, and they've kind of had their way with a lot of these teams where whenever they play the Islanders, they can't really figure out how to break just, them. You yeah, know? it's been that way for years now, past two years, ever since Trotz took over. It's just yeah, kind of like they if... just can't seem to figure them out. So that would be I the only team in a series that I would, I would be worried about other than Tampa. But anybody else, well, I think they can beat them. Yeah. Well, let me give you a dark horse. After watching the series, I'll tell you who's who's got my my attention. Obviously, the Islanders for all the reasons you guys said, but you know who else has my attention? The Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, here's my that would be here's my one. justification. So every if you think back, every Stanley Cup playoff, there was a team who had a goalie who just got ridiculously hot, and everybody kept going, "Yeah, he can't do it for another series," and they do it for another series. Uh, most recent example I can think of is Corey Crawford. Nobody thought that dude was going to backstop that new cup, and they won a cup. Mrazek did so it last year, year, too. Yeah, so what scares me after watching that series is, and especially since I got to watch him play here and he was dog shit, it, it, is Mrazek looks legit. And I'm wondering what drugs he's taking, because he didn't even have close to the positioning he had in the games against the Rangers when he played here. He, it was like head in the clouds. It was Probably like Prisgalov. Uh, same like, when Mark happened? McGuire is on. <laughs> so Carolina with with some of the veteran Justin Williams is still there. He's always dangerous this time of year. Aho is killing it as the leader of that team, and they got a lot of no name guys who are playing smart hockey. Yeah, and if- I saw somebody break up the Hurricanes take on Twitter, and I thought about it, and I'm sure it wouldn't be a fun series in terms of blowing past them easily. I believe the second seed team is going to face Carolina. Uh, so if the Flyers lose to the Lightning. Uh, on Saturday, will play Carolina. So that could be a very real uh, scenario. And I, I, I would be worried, I guess, but I'm not overly concerned yet. Uh, I think if that series gets going and the Flyers can't establish their dominance, then I'll worry. Uh, but for right now, I do think in a seven-game series, the Flyers could beat them. Well, the thing, the thing I have to see, Jimmy kind of talked about it earlier. So the Flyers have had the Capitals number. So while today's game was important and it was a nice win and everybody played well, I would really like, and this is nitpicking, by the way, since I'm not used to being following a winning team and everybody doing everything right. So this is complete nitpicking. This would fit right into Flyers Twitter. Um, I'd like to see them play the type of game they played today against another opponent that maybe they haven't owned for the last year. So if they come out and they stymie Tampa Bay Saturday, is it? Saturday? Yep, Saturday. Um, I will I will be ecstatic. I just want to see him do this against another team. The Flyers you know? beat the Hurricanes three or four times this season. I don't and judge that. The only time they just... lost was an overtime appearance in early January. And, and Carolina looks like a different team. Like, this, the layoff did them wonders. Yeah, they were a team that was decimated by injuries uh, there at the end, and they rested. Now their whole defense is back together and looking good, except Dougie Hamilton. Um, but, yeah, they look uh, they looked really good in that Rangers series. That was a team who had it. No, I don't think the Rangers looked very good in there, to be fair. 
uh, to to the Hurricanes to them. But uh, yeah, they looked they looked locked in from game one, uh, and they just never gave the Rangers an inch. And uh, <laughs> it was great to see. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it'd be I think it'd be a good series. That would be the way to start the uh, playoffs off. There would be that. Why don't we uh, wrap this show up here talking about somebody that we kind of overlooked here, Scott Lawton. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we praise the guy enough because I, I just want to – he's fucking – where is this coming? Eight years ago he was drafted. He was always a guy that I always kind of liked for no reason at all back then. Like, oh, yeah, this guy sucks. He's been in the Phantoms for three years in a row, but yeah, yeah I kind of want to see him. Now he's coming out of nowhere and succeeding. He looks – fucking unbeatable out there oh, this is an easy one this is an easy one actually and it goes back to something i said earlier dave haskell you're the winner this guy got bogged down into a role that he didn't understand and i remember watching games where he looked like he was skating around with his head in the clouds he didn't know where to go and as time the, went uh, on the ron hextall effect there yeah. yeah like we learned that a lot of these guys had no idea what the hell they were supposed to do you know toward the end of his tenure there uh, and it just seems like AV has kind of pulled him aside and said, here's the role I envision for you. And if you play well, you're going to get more time. And this break, because he was playing pretty well before the break, but not like this, you know. We're seeing flashes and, of this then, but now we're... Uh... Yeah, and his his hockey IQ has always been big. So when uh, Konechsev's controller's batteries died today, and he, he, he just stood, you know, missed his assignment, that was still a hell of a hockey play to set himself up with the puck in the net. I mean, Hazy's pass was outworldly. I mean, that's that's 84 Gretzky passes today from Hayes, you know. Um, so, I, but I think Scott Lawton always had it in him. He just needed to know what his role was. And listen. He's been a guy that just keeps getting better. I mean, you look at his career, and just every year he just gets a little better and a little better and a little better. Now he looks like a legitimate guy who worked his way all the way up to the second line. He's a second line left wing now. He kicked need- JVR out of that goddamn spot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they sat him so they can use fucking Scott Lawton in a in a much better role. So, yeah, and watch how much power play time he gets next game because that's the only thing right now that the Flyers need to figure out. And I know this is going to upset you, but I think we're going to see Ghost on Saturday at least on the power play <laughs> to try something different. I think we're going to see old 53 back on the ice. Now, I don't know how it's going to go. Meyer's only at uh, four seconds of power play time tonight. Yeah, that was odd. But you know what, though? Look, considering he was uh, offensively prowess in the last game. Well, I think they had him marking. I think those guys were on the ice a lot on even strength covering certain pairings. I couldn't figure it out watching the game. I thought maybe they were on Ovechkin early, but it seemed like he had Myers and, and Sanheim out against certain lines. Uh, different times. I think Probably that's what hurt. Yeah. That hurt Sanheim and Myers' uh, power play time. But they played a great game. I mean, you know, you see Sanheim's confidence rising every game. He looks like and fucking Colonel Sanders on that right one. now. Yeah, the mustache needs a little the mustache, work. Mustache, a little I mean, goatee. It's like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> I mean, like, like we don't need to bring back porn in the seventies, bud. I appreciate the effort, <laughs> but we we don't need it right now. But I mean, his confidence when he jumped into that play for his goal. That was just a heads-up hockey play that I don't think he tries to make last year. I don't think he attempts it. Same with Phil Myers. He's rushing plays. I'm like, what am I watching? Nick Lidstrom out here? He's just rushing, and and everybody's in sync. I don't ever remember seeing, you know. Flyers aren't usually like that. So 
that's pretty cool. And I played defense growing up because I had no hands. So I take a special pride in when defensemen go up and, and make plays. Yeah, he, you know, uh, instead of the Santa Myers pair is one that I've uh, criticized throughout the year with their, you know, kind of hot and cold play, but they are on it right now. Myers looked and good in, in game one, and Sanheim looked great tonight. And if these two can keep playing that, and they're not even at their peak yet, I mean, you, and they're your fucking second pair! Some teams don't have this kind of talent on their top line, you know? So uh, they are going to be good for a very, very long time. And one one very important last point. Our boy Oscar's going up for quarantine, I think, tomorrow. So he's going to be in the building very soon, and that can only help. Been uh, in Sweden practicing help. with uh, Brynäs SHL there, getting some legs under him. He'll fly back. I don't know if it's tomorrow. I think it's the next couple of days, though. Uh, yeah, because uh, I just read that he was going to, uh, into quarantine, into the bubble. Into the bubble, yeah, and then he'll be back. They say if the if they survive till mid-late September that there is a chance he could actually play, which is absolutely incredible and mind-blowing and insane that a guy who a month ago was still in chemo is <laughs> going to play hockey. It's It's crazy to me. Literally, all he has to do is suit up jump on the ice, wave to the no crowd, and then jump back on the bench, and that will be a huge lift to the team. It is a goddamn shame that they're not going to do it in front of a playoff crowd at the Wells Fargo Center. That would have been incredible. It would have been Sakakuivo all over again. Just, man, it's a goddamn shame yes. he's going to return in front of no fans. But uh, it's uh, for hockey-wise, it's it's incredible, and it'll be an added boost there. Uh, hopefully he is uh, – even half the player that he was when he went down, and he would be a, a welcome addition. So it's uh, it'll be obviously a little later though in September. We'll probably talk about that if if the Flyers make it that far. But um, ah, positivity, sir. Positivity. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, wrong podcast. Wrong Sorry. show. Sorry. I'm I'm the uh, negative one, so positivity doesn't flow very often. <laughs> Why don't we uh, wrap this show up here? We're way over the hour mark now. Uh, I'll be back Saturday afternoon with Anthony. We're going to talk to Connor McKenna of TSN Montreal. Uh, if the fucking Canadians weren't eliminated at that point. And uh, <laughs> we'll be back Sunday night as well with a Brotherly Puck roundtable. And uh, I don't know. Maybe Jim and I will do another uh, post game on Saturday. Who knows? Got to figure out all this. I guess it depends what time the game's on. I guess I haven't announced that info yet. But um, I would imagine it's going to be on earlier in the day because if there's still some of these qualifier series, they'll probably put them on later on, right? Like the marquee matchups and whatnot. I would assume so. As long as why don't they have the 4 p.m. game on the fucking weekends? And then give this one a 7 p.m. start. That would have been much better, more convenient Agreed. for Dan the Flyer fan. But. Uh, you know, Jim, you got any uh, plugs you want to get on as you take a drink of water in there? Yeah, just check out the the website over at uh, HW, hwhockey.net. Uh, any pods you want to find for HW, you can find on there. Any articles you want to find, uh, put out some good stuff. I think it was yesterday. If you guys haven't checked out that uh, Robert Hag article, make sure you check that one out. <laughs> what timing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a good read. It was. It's a good read. Uh, Flyers Johnny, make sure you give him a follow. Uh, Jack put out a pod on Sunday called HW Full Circle. Pretty solid show. 
Uh, I think that's all we got going on. Yeah, hwhockey.net. Check it out, guys. Mark? Hmm. Do I plug anything? Well, I'd say follow my Twitter. I am the low end theory, all one word on Twitter. Uh, I'm often on there going back and forth with everybody on Flyers Twitter when they annoy me or make me happy. Either or. It's It goes back and forth. Uh, and just appreciate you having me here, man. My uh, my first Flyers pod appearance, and it's with you, Dan. So I do appreciate that, sir. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, maybe bring you back in the future if Jim allows it. Jim allows it. But Jim's <laughs> the only one who knows my last name. So. Desico. Yeah, hey, paisans over here. We're paisans over here. No, I don't, I don't need more paisans on the show. Could you imagine with Nick on the show? Oh, the whole, the, entire the three paisans. Oh, let's get bring Anthony on while we're at it. Let's get four paisans. I'll be really fucking outnumbered. Hey, forget about it. Oh, forget Lord have mercy. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, we'll wrap this up. I'm back at some point, no, this Saturday. And uh, till then, everybody. Oh, Heart Countdown is back, by the way. I said, oh. fuck you to Twitter jail. We're back. At Heart Countdown underscore. I had to pull a gym here and break out the fucking underscores. Because apparently, <laughs> even though the other account's suspended, I can't use the handle. So, Heart Countdown. Be sure to follow that. It's back. And, uh... That's that's that'll wrap this one up everybody. Until next time, goodbye and good night. Come on, we're tripping. Come on, we're walking. Come on, we're stuck here. It's the bullshit. Come on.